folks, it's been a tragic week for our country. With everything that happened down in Texas this week, with the loss of such innocent lives, it's been tragic to sit back and see this all unfold. On this edition of the podcast, I have on Justin Frankham again, and he was scheduled to come on uh, again to talk about health and fitness, because I think it's a huge, important subject. But as the events of this week unfolded, Justin actually called me and said, I don't feel right talking about this right now. And I said, I don't either. I was like, you want to just cancel? And he had an interesting idea of, of talking about where we are as a country and as a people right now. And this conversation was very much um, off the cuff. There wasn't a necessarily a predefined subject. And we just let the conversation carry us where it did. But I think it's a, one of those vital, important conversations, and I'm so glad I get to share that with you. And that's next on this edition of the Mormon Renegade Podcast. to the Mormon Renegade Podcast. Welcome back to the Mormon Renegade Podcast. As always, you can get a hold of me uh, either by email at mormonrenegade at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of me on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Getter under the handle Mormon Renegade. Also, we have a website up, and that's mormonrenegade.com. So go check that out. So, Justin, I know when when we first talked last week, and I was going to have you back on, we were going to talk about health and fitness, which is something that's near and dear to my heart, especially since I'm working so hard to get back into shape. But with everything that's gone on this week, um. Not to mention in in just the last month, everything that's happened and everything that I think that is about to to happen. I know at my place of business, we're strategizing now to weather a storm, so to speak, right? I was in meetings all day today and it was braced for impact because we know things are getting bad. Uh, We can't get concrete for our projects. Gas is expensive. And that's on top of just the horrendous tragedy that happened out in in Texas um, yesterday. So when you called me and you said, David, you know, I want to talk about something else. I was so thankful. And and it just bore testimony to me that that the spirits at work with with God's people. Because it didn't it was going to feel pretty disingenuous just talking about just that without at least mentioning what's going on. So when you called, it was, again, it was just a testimony builder to me that, that the spirit is working with, with folks, you more than me, because you initiated the call, but you know, he's working with his people as, as much as he can, as much as we will allow so that we can address these things. And so this episode for, for everybody listening, this is a last minute thing. And Justin and I are very much going by the spirit on this. 
at the same time, I'm going to say this. I feel like we're going to talk about some pretty heavy stuff tonight, and I think we're going to do it in a way that is going to hopefully enlighten a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad I'm, I'm grateful that you were willing to switch topics here too. Cause I mean, health and fitness is very near and dear to my heart. And it's something that I think can benefit a lot of, a lot of people, but there's, there's bigger, there's bigger concerns right now in the world. There's things going on that we can't just ignore. And especially as, as members of this, of the restoration, you know, as participants and, and, and brethren here and, we can't just ignore what's happening in the world and just kind of hide in our own little, you know, in our own little shell and just hope to just wait for things to bypass. I, I think you're right. And, and I think, look, and, and I'm super guilty of this, right? Because I was a, I was an undercover fundamentalist for probably, you know, a decade, realistically a decade, right? Where I tried to shove all this stuff back in a box, stuff meaning, early restoration teachings and I tried to stuff it back in a box and I thought, okay, if I can just stuff this in a box, I can, you know, just lay low and go to the LDS church and get by with that. But I think now we're at a time where we as fundamentalists or those who have fundamentalist leanings, whether in or out of the LDS church, independent or with a group, the world is darkening. And as fundamentalists, we may be in a very unique position to allow the, the gospel kind of unadulterated to shine through us, if, if we're correct, if, if we're courageous enough to take that step. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the city on a hill, you know, and this idea, I mean, those who have been warned, it's upon us to warn our brethren. And we we have more than i mean it doesn't you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows right now right right but we've got extra insight we've been given gifts and prophecies and things that give us a potential leg up but i think that means we have an extra responsibility and we have a greater burden upon ourselves to be helping and preparing and and See, I mean, one of the things, though, okay, so this is – I've been involved in political activism for a long time, and a mm -hmm. lot of it is infuriating um, working as a, as, a, as a conservative because the mainstream conservative movement in America, especially in Utah, especially the Republican Party, is not actually conservative. <laughs> no, you – look, let's, let's be honest. You can't look at Mitt Romney and go, ooh, he reminds me of Reagan. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's not. So, there. And so I always had this idea that, man, if we could just wake people up, if we could just wake people up and it was like it's an information war, we've got to get that information out there. And if that information got out there, we'd be able to clear the air and people would then make the right decisions and everything would be fixed. And and now it's kind of crazy because it's all out in the open. The information war is over. We are now entering a, what I believe is a, a spiritual warfare. This is a time of literal spiritual warfare. And if we aren't prepared, we're not going to weather it. But we've got a bigger burden than just weathering this This yeah. times. We have to be. We have to find a way to be that light on a hill. I, or, we are, or we will be a salt that has lost its savor. 
I, I agree with you 100%. And I understand where the inclination is to just kind of hunker down, right? Because let's face it, you and I, we, we have the benefit. In some ways, it's a benefit. In other ways, it's, it's, it's uh, something we struggle against. But, but we, we live in a time now, and we grew up in a time where, quote, alternative lifestyles were kind of coming forward more, right? For, for a lot of folks who maybe grew up in fundamentalism, it was a different world, right? I mean, some of the old timers in the sense of you'd better hide because Short Creek, that raid on Short Creek, that's front and center in their, in their minds still. And rightfully so. I get it, right? I'll never blame anybody for wanting to hunker down after that atrocity. So I get it. But I think now, I don't know. I just got a real big sense that if you have light, you got to let it shine now because we need it more than ever. Yeah. I, I want, I want to start. Oh, sorry. Just going, go ahead. Oh, well, and it's not the same thing, but I mean, like I grew up, I was homeschooled back before mm-hmm. it was accept really acceptable, you know, and I, my, my family had to flee when, when the neighbor started calling CPS on us for homeschooling yeah. and, for, and we didn't go to church. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, and, uh, yeah, so I, I understand that everybody's got this natural inclination to, to prepare and to preserve themselves and, you know, take care of, take care of themselves first. And I, I, I understand that. I relate that. I don't think that's wrong. That's a natural inclination. And it's just like the airplane, you know, the oxygen masks fall down, you know, put it on yourself first so you can put it on somebody else. Um, But I'm afraid that we're, but that's, we can't just stop there at putting it on ourselves. And a lot of the, the prepping movement um, and the hardcore, you know, ultra conservative movement is very much, selfish in my opinion it's very much focused on just take making sure that me and my own are prepared and that that they're going to be taken care of and i think that to a certain degree that might even be a complete misconception um well i don't know do you you know do you are you very familiar with uh with uh eschatologies (laughs) a little bit not much i've dabbled a little bit okay um Wait. Why don't you just explain it for those who may not know what it is? All right. So there's different worldviews on how how the world is going to end, um, and I, that's not eschatology. That's um, eschatology is your source of knowledge. Um, shoot, what is that? This is a theological term. I can't remember it. But basically, within Christianity, there's three worldviews. There's there's premillennialism, postmillennialism, and amillennialism. And the premillennialism is this idea that that there's going to be this period of great upheaval and turmoil leading up to Christ's return. And then Christ returns to save the world that would have otherwise just been completely eradicated. It's the left behind okay. type of a um, type of a – maybe I do have that right, eschatology. No, no, no I, I don't. I could Google it, but that's all right. Let me just keep going with this. Um, the other view is the um, amillennialism, which is that nothing changes. You know, the sheep and the goats live happily together until suddenly just one day Christ says, hey, I'm coming back. I'm back. All right, goats here, sheep there. <laughs> and the postmillennialism is this idea that with Christ's resurrection, the church being established um, with, through Christ, that we will progress 
and progress and progress until this point where the gospel is taken to all of the world, the entire world is kind of converted, and then Christ can come and claim claim the earth. And, you know, I think Mormon theology has a very unique take on this. Mm-hmm. Because to a certain degree, we're very much premillennialists. We definitely believe that there's going to be this trial and turmoil and hard times coming before Christ comes back. In fact, um, some of the stuff with uh, with Malachi's prophecy, you know, this idea that the whole earth would be wasted is coming otherwise if if we don't turn the hearts of the children to the hearts of the fathers and vice versa. Um, the whole earth would be wasted at his coming. Why would it be wasted? Well, because there's nobody worthy enough to be in his presence. So when he comes, just fire, everybody, everything burns. Um, so what the restoration is, is that it's very much premillennialism, but it's also postmillennialism because the restoration provides the seeds of a progression. And we've been blessed with the fullness of the gospel that can lead us from a scattered fallen man to a to a converted repentant christian to a perfected in charity zion society and so we believe that zion will will rise from below as it descends from above the city of enoch is going to return and with the city of enoch returning we're going to see the zion established on earth prior to Christ's coming. So it's a combination of both. The world goes goes to pot for the most right. part, right? But as Zion is established and that those who aren't willing to take up swords against their brothers, those who aren't willing to just be involved in the debauchery that's happening in the world before Christ returns is going to have to flee to Zion um, as, as a refuge. So we have both. We have the knowledge that we've got to, that things are going to get bad. Things are bad and they're going to get worse. But we also know that as people, we need to become better and better and better. And I think what we're here on is the the brink, the very brink of people needing to decide, really, whose side they're going to be on. And the funny thing is, I don't believe that Zion is established for the church. It's not, it's not about us. It's about the tribes of Israel, and it's about those who are willing to, to come unto Christ and be a part of that. And that is the people who don't know any better, but are good people with good families that would otherwise, if they'd had the truth, would accept it. And so we've got, a. I think there's a lot of service coming, coming up ahead and we need to be prepared to provide that kind of a service, right? That's what that city on a hill is all about. That's what salt that hasn't lost its savor is doing. It's providing that for the rest of the world. No, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And the, the, this idea that, that Zion is just going to be a place where, where you gather and then you just kind of wait it out. Right. I don't think that holds a lot of water. Right. Because one of the prophecies, and I believe it was Isaiah, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a scriptorian was all nations will flow onto it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that means it's got to be prominent. It's got to be front and center. And it's, it, it has to be the alternative to what else is happening. Yeah, a place of miracles, a place of refuge. Um, and the thing is, if it's, just, if it's just 
getting by. If, honestly, we're, we're coming towards bad times. I think, honestly, to a certain degree, and this is, might be a little controversial, but in some ways, it will be easier to perish. Oh, I think you're right. That's yeah. the easy route out. Not perishing means you're sticking around for a reason, either to be a part of that church of the devil, or it's because you're going to be serving and you're going to be laboring and, you know, a laborer in Zion. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And how could it be anything but that, right? When, when, when a man gets the priesthood, he doesn't get it for himself, right? Don't get me wrong. There's blessings in holding the priesthood, but we get the priesthood to bless other people. Of course. And, and to think that if, if the priesthood is what governs Zion, then why wouldn't it be a city of service? right? A, a place to throw open to the righteous, to come in, to seek shelter, to seek safety. And I think you're right, because we are seeing events dark in nature happening with more frequency, right? I go back to that parable that Christ gave about the woman who's about to give birth, right? The woman in travail, well, if you think anyone who's seen the, the process of labor, at first, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry, sisters, I know I have no right to really talk on this. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just telling you what my experience was when, when uh, I saw my wife in labor with my kids. At first, those contractions, while they get your attention, they're, they're spread out, right? They're, they're far apart. And as time gets closer, the birth pangs become you know, um, more painful and they come with greater frequency. That's, that's amazing. You're right. It's the cycles. And, and I think, I think what we're seeing now is we are getting close to the event, right? Yeah. Because there's almost no reprieve, right? So here's, here's the thing. Okay. Just, I, I got a list here. You mind if I just kind of go through a few topics just cause I want to refresh myself. Just where are we right? What's going on in the world right now? Can, because can, before we do that, do you mind if yeah, we yeah. talk just a little bit about what, what, transpired in texas oh yes absolutely yeah that's on the list but yeah let's talk about that too i i want to talk about that because that's what's on my heart and and i i feel like i need to be a little authentic to that how i knew yesterday that we had reached a point a, a mile marker if you will down this down this road was as i listened to the talking heads on television on both sides, right? I, I definitely favor one over the other, but as, as I'm listening to it, nobody gets it, right? Nobody is, is really understanding what is happening here. They say, you know, what, what do we do to fix this? You got the leftists who say, well, we just need to come for everybody's guns, right? Well, I'm, yeah. not, on, I'm not on that train. The other one is, well, we got to harden the schools. I get that, right? That's that's a good band-aid, right? You know, harden those targets, you know, make it tougher to get in. I get that. That makes sense. But no one addresses the problem of we are rocking from the inside. The yeah. soul of our country is in tatters. Well, see, that's the thing. You know, we all... With this, I mean, there's there's so many of these school shootings these days. But with this one, I was just like, I felt done. I felt so sick, and I'm just like, I, dude, I, I was right there. I understand 
the liberal argument of you know what let's just take all the guns away from an from an attitude of just like I'm tired of this this I'm sick and tired of this kind of thing happening this shouldn't be going on we have to do something about it but the thing is both of these are both of these arguments are coming from the same direction it's we're going to use government to solve this either we're going to use government and police to take away and disarm everybody so nobody can do bad things or we're going to use government to, and and police to harden the schools and turn them into little prisons and and control everybody and that th these are both coming from the same direction and it's like think what would Christ do in this situation how he, would Christ solve this type of a problem he would look he would look at him and be like you're sick you're sick in your spirit and and I know that's a bold thing to say cuz I never try to speak for the savior but it's that boy right he would have gone to the boy right the boy who 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 did this that, that this terrible thing and i you know everybody's so angry at him i i feel honestly and this might be controversial but i feel compassion i feel tra I, what Dude. on earth was he going through to lead him to do that i remember being 18 i can't imagine what kind of hell he must have gone through to lead him to that dude i can't i can't either I can't either, right? And and I'm with you, Justin, 100%. As I think about those kids who lost their life and the darkness that must have been within that young man, the sense of hopelessness that must have been there. And, and I think about it. Was there no one in that kid's life that put their arms around him and said, you're worth something? Was there no one that tried to get through to him to say, you don't have to go down this dark path? And this, this rot that we have within a lot of our youth is, it's frightening. And here's There's, the thing, too, that just to bring a point to that, you know, exactly. This, is, this isn't a problem of, of gov that a government can solve. Because what no. was missing was somebody in that boy's life who could have led him to the light and out of whatever darkness he was in. That's something that I could have done if I was in his neighborhood, if I knew who he was. That's something that is – this This is something that we can all take upon ourselves. We don't just – I well, I'm voting for this person to take the guns away to solve it. I'm voting for that person to turn schools into prisons to solve it. We don't need to go either of those directions. Because those are both abdicating responsibility from ourselves. We're not taking personal responsibility here. Nobody is. And that's what needs to happen because we are all personally, collectively responsible. If this didn't happen in our neighborhoods, it could next time. Is there somebody in our neighborhood? Is there some fatherless boy that does you know that has nobody in his life that he can turn to? Nobody who can help him going through bullying and this struggle and you know the schools didn't help him. The parent the grandparents whatever I, I it just this is something that one good person in the right place at the right time could have prevented and that's yeah. the real solution but that's taking responsibility on ourselves and right. a lot of people don't want to do that they'd rather well we're just going to push this problem off on some kind of other power somebody else save us we don't want to be saviors we don't want to follow we don't want to fall after christ we want to we want to have somebody else go and, and take care of these problems. No, I, I think you're you're 100% correct. And I think as priesthood holders, we have an innate responsibility to seek those out. Because that's what Christ did. 
he wasn't content to just hang with his apostles. That would have been super easy, right? Yeah. He's going to those who who need him most. And it's been my experience and it's my testimony that that hasn't stopped. Christ still reaches out. But sometimes people are to a point where they need somebody else to step in to guide to to point them to the savior. And until that happens, we're going to keep having this again. You know, call me naive, but I honestly thought at at the beginning of the president's speech last night, he was going to go down a road of there's something wrong within us. I really, I, I was like, oh, here it comes. He's going to surprise me. And I, I would love to be surprised at this point, Justin. I really would, but it didn't, right? And so it, yeah. I, I think it's up to every, every one of us to step forward now. Now is our time to step up, step forward, and say the problem isn't guns. The problem isn't um, a lack of guns. The problem isn't that our schools aren't fortified like prisons. The problem is, is that there's a God-shaped hole in our children. And they're trying to fill it with social media. I, I see it with my kids. I don't, I, I'm not here pretending like my kids haven't experienced that i've made mistakes as a dad right if if i could do it all over again i wouldn't give them a cell phone until they could would could vote right <laughs> yeah. because because it's but i did the best i could thinking okay they're gonna have to learn to navigate these waters at some point and and but i made a mistake if i could go back and do it all over again i wouldn't have Having said that, there's still time to remedy those, those situations. But we have to start now because there is a God-shaped hole in our kids. And the adversary has been really cunning in being able to use that to his advantage. I mean, when you and I had a bad day, look, I'm 44 years old. I don't know how old you are. But when, when I had a bad day at school, I could go home and forget about it. Now yeah. it goes with them. Well, I was social, home school, but... yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're social, right. Though. You know, social, I... social media goes home with them, and we have got to get to a point to where we fill that God-shaped hole that's right in the middle of our kids with God, and not with the latest gadget. And it's it's not just our kids either. Right? Really, it's a God-shaped right. hole in our country, and this is why. The regular approaches to solving problems these days aren't going to work. You know, in the past, it, back in the 90s, <laughs> I remember the 90s. <laughs> back in the oh, 90s. those when, were the when, days. Yeah, when, when we didn't really have any problems. If there were problems, I mean, it, it was so much, there were lots of remedies. There were lots of solutions. We could. There were lots of institutions that we could rely upon to utilize to solve problems. But these days, we've lost all of our institutions. There's really nothing left. And the ones that are but, around, we don't trust. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. There's not. That's why they're not there anymore. They don't. They're not functioning. They're. They're. They've been co-opted. They're. They've been taken control. They're not. They're not doing their jobs. And I mean, outside of 
even the family. I mean, individual families, sure, but as a whole in this country, families, that, that's a failed institution as well. People don't talk about husbands and wives. They talk about their partners. Yeah. And it's not just from political correctness. People aren't even bothering getting married because they know it's not going to last. They're not creating stable homes. And that's the kind of, I mean, even besides all the other problems, I'm sure in this particular case that, that influenced it, just that alone, that's a problem. And it's, it's really this, it's a spirit where it's a spiritual warfare. These are, these are dark, dark forces at work. And if we just think that, ah, you know, it's just a bad politician with an incorrect idea here that led to this. It's just some, you know, we are blaming all these things, but we're not seeing, we're not seeing really where we are at. We're not, we're, we're missing the, the forest for the trees. I couldn't agree with you more. What else you got on your list there? Yeah. So, okay. You, you had this, but you're talking about pharmaceutical drug abuse. Um, particularly you're talking, well, it's, it's really is abuse obviously, but, um, um, particularly you're talking about the psychoactive drugs, but it's not even just the psychoactive drugs. I mean, uh, the painkillers epidemic mm -hmm. of painkillers, it's leading to massive amounts of depression, escapism. Nobody, nobody's happy with their lives. They don't want to live their lives and they, they just want to drift off in, in this, you know, this drug induced bliss. Um, but unprecedented level of, of drug abuse. We've got this transgender movement going on. Um, that's just absolutely as, as, as bad as all this other LGBT Q plus I, whatever, as, as bad as that is, there's something about this transgender movement seems to me to be just the absolute end game. I mean, I guess you've got pedophilia as well, which is also on the rise, directly connected to this. I think this transgender, this groomer stuff. Um, it's not a, it's not a joke, right? All, when all of a sudden you you create this ideology that children could be born in the wrong bodies, and you got to get to them early so they can make a decision on it. Um, and then so now you, you've got to talk to two-year-olds about sex and masturbation. You're 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 setting those you're setting those children up to be abused. And when you get and when when these schools take these kids and create this culture of, of it's popular to be you know part of that this rainbow jihad. You know what's your color? Find your find your perversion. Um, I so I couldn't believe it. But like I, I was re I was reading this article about some poor girl that ended up getting she she her she was raised by her grandmother loving home, but the school convinced her that she was. Um, a transgender that she was actually a boy and then she got in with some weird group and she got she got trafficked at like I can't remember how old she was something like 13 yeah 13 year old got in with these wrong guys and they trafficked her and I think they took her out to Washington or something like that and the parents the grandmother found her they chased after her they found her they rescued her and then the police wouldn't the, the government wouldn't give the girl back to him though because Grandma called her a girl, and the government says, well, she says she's a boy, so that's child abuse. So they wouldn't give her back. They put her in a foster home, and she got trafficked again, again, a second time. And again, the grandmother hunts her down, finds her in Texas, and has to go to Texas to get her back. And finally there, the, 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 the government there was sensible and, 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 helped, and helped her back. But, but the story was that the grandmother is telling that, that that for for her granddaughter, like the schools, it's it's common, it's common for pretty much everybody to try to identify as something special. It's not okay to be cisgender. That's 
unacceptable. That's that's that means you're an oppressor. That means you're uh, a bigot. That means you're hateful. You don't want it. That's really the unpopular thing to be. And so everybody's got it. Well, okay, what can I be? And my my own sister was telling me that um, her daughter um, was talking to some friends who live in Utah. And this is in the Utah schools as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely in the Utah schools. In the public schools mm-hmm. in Utah right now, um, most of the kids there are being brainwashed that they have to be part of this somehow. And, you know, if you're not actually ha- – if you don't actually have homosexual desires, the simple solution is then to be transgender. Um, and it's what – these kids are they're choosing it out of popularity even i mean it's crazy we've even got hardcore liberals like um bill maher, bill maher suddenly coming out talking about this you know it's did really this many people were born in the wrong bodies it's it's unbelievable it's and this is just it's just been the last couple of years that this has really became so entrenched um but we've got that it's connected with the pedophilia it's connected with the sex trafficking which is unbelievable too i watched this documentary on sex trafficking and it was um, – I'm trying to remember what it was called. Oh, I wish I could plug it. Um, it was actually really good though. Um, but one of the, – these guys were doing these sting operations, and they do one of the sting operations in southern Utah. Ugh. And they had advertised um, a, a child available or two children to be available. And um, on some – I don't even know. I, this is crazy to me. I don't even know how this guy finds it. But they're, they're filming this, and this guy shows up. I didn't even know it was Utah, but I see this guy show up. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy looks like a bishop. He shows up wearing a suit and a white shirt, and he's got like these teddy bear presents for the two girls. <sighs> and, you know, they bust him, but I'm just, I, I, how is this happening? How is this happening? How is this, how, how on earth is some like literally like 60 year old Mormon dude finding. You know, even if it was a sting operation, it might not have been. That's the thing. It might not have been. And he didn't know the difference. Yet, nonetheless, he knew where to find that kind of stuff. And the fact that people are doing that right now, that this has become a thing at all, is just unconscionable. I don't know. How can we put up with this? We, we, yeah. And I think, I think Utah is a good barometer, right? Because if we're talking from the God angle, like you and I are, right yeah. utah's a great barometer right because let's face it if this happens in california this happens in oregon on the coast of oregon on the coast of washington yeah on in new york right we're kind of like yeah i get it but when it's happening in utah that's a different that's a different thing that means that the soul rot is deep Right. That it's so it's deep. it's not it's not surface issues. The the other thing I just saw today, I'm going to I'm going to forge you the picture of it. And I'm actually going to post it in the show notes here. Um, I know I told you that this may be on YouTube. I don't think this one will be because I would be flagged so fast. Um, That's a good point. <laughs> there uh, there's there's some that I don't put on YouTube. Because uh, because they'll flag me hard. So feel free to undo that top button if you want. This ain't going on there. But um, I saw a flyer. 
and it's Pride Month here in Utah. I don't know if it's a nationwide thing or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's a June thing, I think, everywhere. So there was a flyer, I kid you not, that was from the Church of Satan that said they were going to be available during Pride Week to unbaptize people. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. In Salt Lake City. The Church of Satan, an ordained minister, right? And I get that most Satanists don't believe in, quote, the, you know, that there's a real Satan. But the premise, yeah, the premise is there, right? I don't think they used I don't think they used to, but these days, I... I, You you might be right. I mean, I, I get in the 90s... Back in the 90s, it was kind of trendy to be rebellious and, you know, sure. and just, all right, rock and satanic symbols because it's cool and rebellious. It's not really cool and rebellious. Anymore. If you're still there, I think you, you must have some sort of a buy-in. And I remember the Church of Satan also was doing a legal uh, challenge to the Texas anti-abortion laws mm-hmm. um, as well and with the argument that, hey, you know what? Killing babies is part of our, our religious practice. This is you're infringing on our religious rights. By they made they abortion. made that yeah they made that same statement, Justin, after the week of Roe v. Wade. Yeah, how and is I'm that? Not, how can you really argue these positions though, and not actually really be satanic? I, I it is satanic. It is, it is, and if we're making those declarations. Look, there, there's a pattern that I saw, and it, I, I don't want to say I, I saw it first. Uh, I had a good buddy out on the East Coast when I lived in Maryland whose dad was a rabbi. And we used to have the greatest discussions because he would teach me oral history that you just can't get anywhere else. And he said, every time Israel starts sacrificing their children is when God was like, I've had enough. That was ultimately what what did him in when when Babylon came for him. Was, you know, mm. Jeremiah had said, you know, you have sacrificed your children to Moloch, and we are we are done. You know, the Lord has passed judgment, and and I think we're right there. I want to go well, back. We've been there with abortion for a while, oh, um, but now, well, okay, and now they just have approved what Pfizer for zero to five years old. It's something insane like that, or one to five. Yep. I mean. This is a uh, okay. They just talked at the WEF about how man their goal is to make a, a vaccine that can be effective for more than a year. That's their goal. This vaccine is way past its expiration date, anyways. Yep. You're talking about an age group with no COVID illness at all. Yep. And a vaccine that they admit no longer works, and they're trying to get it approved to jab babies. Yep. That's. If that's not sacrifices to Moloch, what it, what is? And then if they're if they survive that, then that's all right. We've got other ways of sacrificing them. There's the transgender movement, the yep. LGBTQ public school system that will turn them into sex objects. Yep, yep. I want to go back real quick if we can and talk about the substance abuse thing. Okay, yeah. Because that one I have some experience with because um, I wasn't always a Mormon. Right. I, I didn't I wasn't born LDS and then um, found my way to fundamentalism. I went from my mom being a devout. Uh, let me rephrase that. My mom being a Catholic. We went during the the, the holidays. Right. Oh, Christmas okay. and Easter. My dad. My dad was a disaffected 
Southern Baptist. And so, you know, while, while there was a little bit of God talk in the house, wasn't a big deal. So I went, I went from that to LDS to fundamentalist. Now, my dad passed away when I was 13. And um, as I searched around trying to figure out what, what happened to my, you know, what happened to my dad, right? I remember I had the conversation with, with the, uh, with the uh, pastor there that, that came to the house. We, we, were, we had some good friends that we went to church with for a while after that. He basically said, you know, if your dad didn't accept Jesus, there's not much we can do. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And he couldn't give me a straight answer. So I looked around. And then when I was finished looking, I discovered Jack Daniels. And if there was one thing I was really good at from even the tender age of 16 on up to the point I met my wife and became a Mormon, it was drinking. I was super good at drinking. And so those, those, those substances, you're trying to fill a hole. You don't drink like that unless you're trying to either fill a hole and just forget about things and, and zone out for a while. That's absolutely correct. Actually. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what I understand as well. And honestly, even I get just kind of quickly going back to like the health and fitness stuff. Part of that is dealing with addiction because people are addicted to very unhealthy foods and learning yeah. how to deal with that addiction is crucial. But you don't deal with addiction. I mean, look, I, I've got a lot of respect for Alcoholics Anonymous and the good that it does. But at the same time, I don't know that that's the optimal solution. I think that to really find healing in Christ, you actually have to come to a place of of filling whatever hole is causing that addiction. And that's what I have found with nutrition is that you know, you're addicted to that, you know, Doritos and, and dip or you're, you know, the, the Twinkies, whatever, whatever it is, the, there's a reason. There's probably an emotion or spiritual reason even that you mm -hmm. are that you're overindulging in, in these unhealthy things. If there's not, then that's great. Then it should be pretty easy to overcome an addiction to it. And an overcome addiction doesn't mean that you're, you know, 500 days sober, but each day is a cliffhanger. That doesn't mean that. That means that you're no longer addicted, and you could, if you if you partook today, you you could choose not to partake again tomorrow, right. and then go for another year or five years. You're in control, and so with this substance abuse addiction, um, my sister is actually more. It's main. She's a little more mainstream, but she's into psychology and worked on a degree in that. And she was also talking about this that they're realizing that addiction. They're starting to realize that addiction isn't really an issue of a substance causing the addiction. It's the substance is providing immediate relief from a emotional situation that people are that are in, or potentially a nutritional situation that people are in, and it's providing an immediate release on that. And so, um, if that other things aren't there, there really is no addiction. And I mean, like. Culturally, I've got a little bit of Native American blood in me, and my ancestors as Native Americans were known to be raging alcoholics. <laughs> but if you think about the scattering that happened to them, you know, and, you know, their culture and their way of life being eradicated, it's really no surprise. I don't think it was a genetic issue with the fire water. Um, no. I think it was their whole entire way of life and culture being nearly eradicated that was that led to escaping an addiction. 
and and that's really what 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 happens right is that i can remember i can remember either being drunk or high and in those moments i was numb it's not like i felt good i just didn't feel anything at all right and and i think we're at that point with our kids right it, maybe it is drugs and alcohol for some of them but let's just talk about it from a mormon aspect maybe those kids who are on ritalin you know all the psychotropics and and some kids may actually need it i don't know of very many but maybe i'm willing to to give the you know i'm willing to to go with the benefit of the doubt but okay. yeah <laughs> i know i'm i'm pollyannish in my views i well, it's not to me. It's the funny thing is almost all pharmaceuticals are derived off of things that actually are found in nature. And my reading of the word of wisdom is that um, these that there are wholesome herbs that need to be used with wisdom, mm -hmm. and that if used with wisdom, these things can have med medicinal benefits. But they have to be used with wisdom. And part of that wisdom is the wisdom God put into it. And um, when you start studying herbology and stuff, you look at there's so many different types of compounds and alkaloids and things in these plants and in these herbs that all work and different combinations. And but the pharmaceutical industry can't patent that. They can't make buccal bucks off of that. Right. So what they do is they they isolate a single compound in that plant, and then they synthetically replicate it in isolation. Right. And that's where I think a lot of even I mean even aspirin, aspirin. It's not there's some serious health risks with aspirin. Yep. Um, but you don't have it with white willow bark. Right. Yeah. You go back to the natural plant where you're taking it all together. And if you're using it with wisdom, not, not recreationally, but with a specific intent, I've got an illness. This has properties that will help with that illness. I, I could see it maybe being working, but as far as the pharmaceuticals that are being produced today, I, I don't give them any benefit of the doubt. I don't, Taking that stuff out of nature that way and isolating it, I don't think any good comes from that. Right. No, I, I would I would tend to agree with you. I'm just trying to uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, I I never want to be too harsh or too judgmental on what other people are doing because I don't walk in their shoes. Right. Um now as I was saying, if you look at what a lot of these drugs are doing to our kids, they feel empty. They feel hollow. They don't feel anything, right? And I, I look back throughout history. I'm like, we got our kids doped up on all this crap. How did we do it before this, right? If little Jimmy was, pardon the expression, a pain in the ass, right, at school or at home, you know, it was something that was addressed by mom and dad. And little Jimmy found a career that suited his you know, inclinations to be a pain in the ass. And he usually did really well at that. But now the answer seems to be, let's just dope them up. Let's yeah. dope them up. And, and I saw it with my... It's abdicating responsibility again. Yes, right? yes. And, and problem it... child takes a lot of effort. Well, guess what? Mom's got a job. Dad's got a job. They've got to. How else are they going to make ends meet? And so the school's the babysitter. And... And then they're back from school, and then they don't have time. They don't have interest. They don't have. They don't never built these relationships. They don't even know how anymore because they grew up that way too. Stuff. I don't blame no anybody, but the people who I think 
were diabolically inspired, who did know better, and that did this on purpose. Because there, there's no way that just history just randomly conspired to create this series of events where we're seeing this complete collapse of society. You know, yeah, I mean, no. flip a coin on every decision for every person and, and, you know, this human race continues and civilization continues. I, I just, no amount of bad decisions um, could lead up to this unless it was very carefully orchestrated bad decisions. Yeah, I don't even blame the, so like, and I've been honest with it. I, I spoke about it when I, when I did the, the episode on the psychotropics, I got suckered into it. Right. I mean, yeah. and, and, in thinking about it, I don't blame my the doctor who prescribed him, right? I mean, he's doing the best he can with what knowledge he has at his fingertips, right? Yeah. And so, um, and the teacher, the teachers wants your wants your kids subdued because I mean they've got this class they they don't have any opportunity to really connect with any of them to teach them they're just nope. babysit the government babysitters and yet they've got all this responsibility so they they just want some peace and quiet in their class it's under it's understandable the pharmaceutical companies even they just want to make some money they're just trying to sell a product that can improve lives i mean everybody's got a good reason sure for it except sure. it's a bad thing yeah it's a really really bad thing and the thing is, I think God gives us the, the, the law of the harvest with that, though, right? And, I mean, sometimes we have sometimes he has mercy on us because we all make bad mistakes. And I've made terrible mistakes in my life. Um, and sometimes I've had to pay the price for those mistakes. And sometimes I've been mercifully been preserved. Um, but because sometimes we do have to pay the price of those mistakes, you know, we might be forgiven spiritually, but the, the, the temporal consequences of that can be real and sometimes even permanent. Um, but that's a, that, that can help us keep us on track. That can help. That should be a, a, a self-correcting mechanism, natural law. That, right. Absolutely. That keeps us from self-destructing or going down these dark, dark paths. Yet something's gone wrong because here we are. And it seems like we're, you know, why are we, uh, where are we going and why are we in this handbasket? Right. I want to go go back to what we were talking about with with the issue of uh, of of the 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 trans movement. Yeah. Because I think that speaks to as I look at the I can't believe I'm old enough to say this. As I look at the kids now, right? They're they're uh I don't think any of them are coming from a bad spot, right? If they're an advocate, or I shouldn't, let me phrase it. I don't think they're coming at it as I'm going to purposely, willfully disobey God, right? Of course and they're, not. And, they're, and, and again, I think this speaks to a lack that we as parents have done uh, or uh, a lack of, of um, meaning we've given our kids. But with the ones who are advocates, right, for, for that lifestyle. For those choices they want to be the ones to be like don't don't you know don't oppress my friends right they're looking for a cause our kids are woefully starving for a something of meaning something of value something of 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 righteousness and i think society as a whole has failed those kids terribly 
right? Oh, they're absolutely. they're looking for that. They are. They're looking for it. I mean, it's interesting, but you know, there's this concept of the um, shoot, what is it? The 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 cycles, the four cycles. Um, can't think of the author's name all of a sudden. Um, the fourth turning is the book. I've um, read that book. The prophet. There were the prophet. Oh, yeah, prophets there's the prophet, one of them. The nomads, artists, the art, um, the warriors and the artists. Yeah. Yep. And what we should be seeing is a generation of warriors, and they should be fighting for the right cause. But I think they've been co-opted, and that's they exactly have. that is exactly we have a generation that is thirsting for a cause. Here's the thing. Okay, move pop culture reference, right? But um, you know, you, did you see? You go to the movies. You see a superhero movie. I mean, there's been millions of them, right? You know, the Avengers and all that. Um, you ever see the audience cheering for the bad guy? Was anybody cheering for Loki? Like, man, when Loki was telling those people that you know he's gonna sub subject them and that they were born to fear and born to be ruled, man, the audience just cheered along with Loki, right? Not at all. Not at all. Everybody's everybody was ecstatic when the Hulk finally threw him around and smashed him because innately everybody still has that that desire for good. It's still there, and if we don't recognize that, we're 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 rejecting the divinity and and Christ with the, the the manifestation of Christ within them, which is another grave grave error that we can make in judgment. I had these these conversations with my kids. Uh, one was with my oldest son when uh, when we were talking about the founding fathers. And he's like, I don't know why you're so into this and you, you're boring me to tears. And he goes, you know, I don't get it. And it dawned on me one day. I'm, I'm, I'm showing them in the wrong light. And so I had this conversation. I was like, do you like it when I tell you what to do? He's like, no, I, I don't. I was like, do you hate being under somebody's thumb? Oh, absolutely. I do. I was like, so did Washington. So did Jefferson read this and then see if you see it differently. I had the same conversation with my son. Um, in, in the church I attend, we'll, we'll do work parties or something like that. And uh, he's like, why do we got to do this? And I'm like, well, what do you want? You know, if, if you could remake society, what would society look like? And he kind of talks about it, you know, where, where people are, are, taken care of but yet everyone works hard and everyone's got a purpose and i'm like right that's what we're doing here right that we're yeah. we're, we're trying to to help out we're trying to make something better and when when i put it in that light both my boys shifted right their their perspective shifted and i don't want to say it like i was a good dad because i wasn't i just happened to stumble into it like everything good in my life, I just happened to bump into the, to the right way sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what it was. Right. But once their perspective shifted and they felt like they had a worthy cause, they went with it and, and they worked towards it. I'll say this for this generation, they are thirsting for that. And when, when they, when they find it, they will latch on like a bulldog and not let go. But we just, and when I say we, I mean society, 
hasn't done a good job of giving them a worthy cause. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is I think there we're in a place now where victimhood seems to be the new social currency, right? So yeah. if if you if you if if that's the new social currency, well, the 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 richest among us are those perceived as victims, and there's a certain amount of victimhood that you get to um, cloak yourself in if you identify as trans or any of the other letters of the alphabet. But ultimately that's coming from a place of, of fear, right? Yep. It's, it's not knowing whether I'm good enough. I don't know whether I can make it. I don't know whether, so what it is, is it's being a victim is a way out. You don't have to be tested. You don't have to be tried. You can just be a victim and never have to find out, which right. is tragedy. But that's stealing, especially for boys. I think that's stealing oh, absolutely. an essential aspect of masculinity, um, where instead of being tested, instead of being instead of finding out who you really are, whether you make a, and you know what, that was part of my life was trying and failing and trying and failing. I, I got married pretty late in my life. Um, I was, um, like, uh, mid thirties. Um, so I've got a pretty young family, maybe early thirties. My wife's over there, <laughs> uh, maybe early thirties, but regardless, you know, I, I, I had served a mission in the LDS church. I got back. I intend, you know, I, I want, I was ready for the next phase of my life. I thought, but I really wasn't, you know, looking back, I can see that, man, I was, I had a lot to learn. And I learned a lot over about 11 years of trying and failing and 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 failing and failing and failing until I finally figured it out. And I stopped and I was able to deal with and overcome basically personal flaws that would that were preventing me from being able to find the right person and be worthy of the right person. And that failure process sucks. Sure it does. That trying and failing process sucks. But I, 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 I just look back and I think, man, if that first relationship had worked out in marriage, where would my life be right now? Who would I be right now? And it's, it's terrifying to think about. It's right. terrifying to think about. And so, but that's the thing. And I could have chosen that path. I wasn't given that option, but you know, it could have been, Hey, you know what? You tried, you fell in love, you found some girl, you wanted to marry her. It didn't work out. You can be a victim for the rest of your life. I've got, I've got family that, that went down that road and eternal bachelorhood over that type of stuff. Um, but I, I wouldn't have grown, right? I wouldn't right. have grown and I hadn't grown then who would I, who, how, how that's, that's a, such, such an essential part of, that's what we're here for. We're on this earth to, to become more than, than we can, than, than what we brought with us to, Absolutely. Choose, to, to, to choose God, to receive ordinances and blessings, but also to, to be transformed for our character to become transformed, to become more like Christ. And man, if you're not, if you're going to be a victim, then you don't, you don't get that. The atonement can't work in your life. It's a, and it's a, it's a stealing the opportunity for progression. Absolutely. You know, and it, it, it's, it's such a perfect plan that, that our heavenly father gave us. 
because our mistakes and our failures are every bit as vital as our successes. I played a lot of football in high school, um, ended up playing uh, a little semi-pro ball later on in life, tried out for a team, got accepted. And I remember once um, we had this great team. I mean, we just meshed well. And all of us had, you know, it seemed like the perfect makeup for the position we played. And we got to a point in the season where we started thinking about, you know what, we're going to go undefeated. We just can't be beat. And we got by on just pure talent, right? Mm -hmm. And there were a couple close games there. And I remember one game we lost, right? And it wasn't by much, but we lost. And we were in the locker room. I remember the coach came in. He's like, I am so glad this happened now before playoffs. He's like, because you guys have been skating along with just talent, just getting by just on that. And he's like, that's not enough. And so then we went back and we broke down the game field. And he's like, you've been doing this all year, but you've been able to skate by. This has to be fixed, right? And, and now all of a sudden we're humbled and we have to look at it. Our failures serve that same purpose, right? Whether it's the gospel, whether we're at work, whatever it is, those failures are so vital to our learning. And the beautiful part of the plan is that as long as you're not purposely failing, not purposely sinning, we're going to get through this, right? We're, we're going to get an opportunity to repent, to look at the game film and make the corrections necessary and move on. And I think in sheltering our kids from those failures, we've done them a massive disservice, right? We haven't shown them that you are capable of failure. You're capable of tremendous things, but you're also capable of, of failing fantastically. And then teaching them to, to move on from those failures. And I think this ties in with victimhood because they're, they're above failing. You know, we don't look at a victim as a failure. As yeah. ever being a, being a victim means you don't have to try. Right. But you're exactly. not. But, but you're so you're not a failure. You didn't try. Right. You didn't have to try. You, you're exempt from trying. And so you get the reward of you get the accolades of the winner without right. actually ha having won. But you're also robbed of the opportunity to fail. That's why it's like, oh, I don't need to, you know, you don't have to be afraid. Um, it's, an, it's an easy out if it if, is, uh, if it's being sold. Um, that way pack and that's how it is packaged and i think that's why we're seeing this victim culture yep. absolutely because yep. especially it, 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 that seems more at the college level but um but it's probably seeped down into the elementary schools even as well these days so yep absolutely yeah. what so, else do you, what else do you have on your list there? yeah let's, let's look at some of these other things we've also i i think we've got all right the the fall of our democracy this is a, a pretty big one to me but um, I think that, you know, there's been, I think there's been a lot of political manipulation. I've seen this, these political machinations up, up close. I was, I was a, even a, I was a state delegate for the Republican party back in, I think 2008. And I mean, I saw, I've seen the corruption. 
firsthand, and I've heard plenty of secondhand accounts of the political corruption in place. And uh, we're no longer really a representative democracy. Um, but it seems like just this last presidential election really just cemented in the fact that we are absolutely not a democracy anymore. Um, the, 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 the blatantness, the out in the open, in your face nature of the voter fraud, it was shocking to me. Cause I mean, like I said, I think that these manipulation, this is nothing particularly new, but, but the scope of it and the brazenness of it is just mind boggling to me. I mean, like, I remember when they were doing the counting and all of a sudden it's like, all right, um, we're, we're going to stop counting in the middle of the night, even though it's really close. And we're going to board up the windows and kick out all the people who's supposed to watch these things. And then the next morning, lo and behold, a whole bunch of extra votes for somebody else came in. I mean, I don't think anybody really buys that narrative. If they, if they've, you know, unless, unless, you know, you got some people that you kind of manipulated by media, of course, too. that's another huge issue we've got, but the openness of the of the voter fraud that we're seeing happening here and then there's the complete violation of our rights during these lockdowns and these attempted coercive vaccinations just really goes to show that we're not really living in a free country anymore no we don't really even get a pick who we vote to betray us <laughs> no no you're 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 100 correct and look i i want to make it clear that i didn't think that trump was the uh, the savior of the republic, so to speak, right? I no. think he I think he definitely slowed that down that train down a little bit, but I, I don't. He was he's definitely better. <laughs> I would sure take a mean tweet and some cheap gas at this point, right? Don't get me wrong. Exactly. But yeah, I think at this point everybody was. But but I, I, it's not like I think that he was the savior of the republic. Having said that. And we're going to get into this a little later on in this discussion. I don't want to go into it too deeply right now, but I, I do want to say that I think Trump scared the establishment. Yeah. Right. And yep. I, cause, cause realistically everything we're seeing come to pass now has been a, has been about a, a plan that has been a hundred years in the making. And I think they saw a guy who was an outsider that undid a bunch of it in a hurry and I talked earlier about those birth pangs coming quicker and faster. And I think he scared those people who do have the nefarious intentions and said, we're going to accelerate now. We're so close. We can't let, let this happen. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, one of the rules, though, of that 100-year-plus conspiracy, though, is you don't take off the majority and what we've seen is we've seen individual groups of people kind of get marginalized, targeted, and then these slow culture shifts happen. Um, but something has drastically changed because as far as that, as far as the acceleration of things going, because by all accounts, they should be backing off. By all accounts, they should be backing off, giving us a breath before the next, mm -hmm. before the next contraction. And instead, what they've doubled down. Instead, they're it's out in the open. I mean, the stuff that's going on right now in in Sweden, uh, they're just talking about this stuff openly. It's in our face, and they know that we don't want it. They know the majority does not want this, and they're telling us you're going to have it anyways. 
And to me, it's like, part of me just keeps saying, what do they know that I don't know? Because by all accounts, they're pushing this country to a degree that what it should happen naturally, naturally, what should happen is a massive revival yeah, of, of God and Christianity and good, wholesome principles in our country. When they push this bad stuff to the extent that, you know, when they push bad economics to the point that gas is pushing is going to, you know, they had to update the programming on the gas pumps to to be able to handle $10 a gallon gas. Yeah. I don't think it's hit that yet, but they had to update the programming on those things because they're anticipating it and they're doing. And then in the midst of that, we've got the White House canceling these uh, these leases for oil drilling. They canceled the pipeline. We're not going to take imports from from China, well, Russia, as if Russia would even would at this point. Um, it's just like it's so in your face, deliberate. It's like, yeah, you don't like that, and we're going to make it even worse. Just normally, that kind of thing produces a massive positive backlash, and that's why things it's a slow pot that boils the frog. Something's changed because they've decided uh, forget the slow pot. Let's 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 get a pot of lava. Yeah, no, I, I think I think they got spooked. I really do. I think that the, that they saw, oh, crap, we can't lose everything we've worked for. Let's just get this thing to the finish line. Biden just a couple of days ago came out and said, I know gas prices are high, but hopefully at the end of this, we'll be a stronger country and a stronger globe because we will have a, you know moved on from fossil fuels. And you, there, I feel like the numbers now for that don't work though there's not enough batteries and solar panels right. and stuff that just the, the economics of that doesn't work oh i just lost are you still what? there i'm here oh okay yeah my computer just glitched okay no i'm i'm still here um okay i i feel like now they have um they don't care right they're yeah, just they they're care. just like you're gonna take it that's all there is to it. You're going to take this. Um, I just want to paint the picture of how bad the economic outlook is because today, just today, yeah, I had literally just stepped out of my meeting five minutes after you texted me and said, can we talk? And that's when we made the decision to do this. Um, yeah. We are bracing for impact. So, as a surveyor, I'm pretty intimately involved with all the ins and outs of the construction industry, right? And what it takes to build something, whether it's a subdivision, a building, whatever it is, I get it. I have a, a crew of about 12 guys. Today, I spent the day in meetings where we talked about what things are going to look like. Right now, in the in along the Wasatch Front, concrete is so hard to get that every construction company only gets 200 yards of concrete for their company, not their project, their company. Wow, 200 yards sounds like a lot, but it's not a lot, no. right? Not a lot because we can't get potash anymore as the substance the kind of the thickener for the concrete potash is produced when you process coal one of the first things that biden did when he came in is he shut down most of the coal 
so we don't get potash now. The other thing we're up against is how are we going to deal with $6 a gallon gas? It doesn't work. The math does not work. So if we have those kind of shortages and we have that kind of, of problems with gas, on top of that, we have inflation, right? Um, yeah. I was fortunate. I was able to get my guys a raise this this year. There's a lot of companies that can't. How do those well, you're guys... Fortunate. You're fortunate you even have guys. Right, right. That's the other thing, right? The other weird thing is like in the midst of all of this, all of a sudden we can't find people to work anymore. Nobody wants to work. Nope. Nope, they don't. And so... I, I was fortunate enough to get them a raise to try to help offset that. But at the pace that inflation is going, it won't keep up with wages, right? So actually you'll yeah. be taking a loss in the year. If you've saved your money and it's in a 401k, it's, it's decreased, right? Inflation makes your dollar worth less. And eventually if we keep on this worthless, and so we've gotten to this point with the economy where I think we all know that this, this thing's coming down. There's, yeah. there's no way to keep going. Brace for impact. That's exactly right. And that was kind of the overarching theme of all those meetings I was in today. Nine hours worth of meetings on brace for impact, right? And I've only had to do this yeah. one other time, which was in 2008. This time, I think it's worse. Because in 2008, we at least had the oil field in North Dakota, right? Guys could go out there and work. We don't have that now. There's nothing here. And we're going into a phase where I think we're going to see the transformation of our economic system. Yeah. Well, they said so. The Great Reset. You'll right. own nothing and be, and you'll own nothing and be happy. Yep. And every, those people are off, all off meeting right now, talking openly about how they're going to be doing this and the and medical we, tyranny. Where Where are they meeting at? What What's the, What's the name of that meeting that they're all the, meeting the, at? The Davos thing, the World Economic Forum, um, Davos group. They're out in Sweden. Right, and that's happening and right they, now. Yeah, they're out there. I think I think they're still. Yeah, they're still. I, today might have been. I'm not sure, but they've been out there all week, and t they were out there today, and they're talking about. Then stuff's coming out. The stuff that's coming out is terrifying. The kinds of things they're talking about. They're talking about how they're gonna, you know, force us. To, you know, these these new wonderful new technologies. You know, th these pills that will know whether you swallowed them or not and can report back. They're going right. to put this complete, you know, they're, they've got these systems for tracking everybody's individual carbon footprint. So, you know, I mean, it's just the, the world view that it's 1984, kind of a complete control system is what they're aiming for. And we're seeing that the housing crisis we've got now, right now, too, is 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 insane. But a lot of that is you've got these huge, huge mega um, funds, these, uh, what are they, what is the name, BlackRock? Um, BlackRock, yep. Main Street Company or something. There's a, there's like five or six of them. They control most of the wealth in the world. They're out there buying up all of the properties. That's one of the reasons why you can't find anything to, to purchase and because they don't want people to own stuff. They're, we're going to move towards the rental system where everybody's dependent on 
on on a rental system they're it's just this it's a hegelian dialectic right you know mm -hmm. they create a problem um so that they can then present a, a solution um it's the 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 thesis antithesis synthesis they have this mm -hmm. idea of the synthesis they want a world of of where they control everything how do you get there? Well, that we need a solution where the world, with them controlling everything, is the, they need a problem where them controlling everything is the solution. So, you know, you reverse engineer that, and it's like, okay, that's it's what we're seeing. Uh, what well, they started with Obamacare, um, which may or may not have been somewhat one of those things derailed by Trump to a degree in the economy. But I think the intention behind Obamacare ultimately was single payer. They wanted single payer, so let's come up sure. with a non-single payer method system that is so broken that it'll collapse in on itself. And the only solution at that point that people will will think accept is a single payer, and that's how we'll get into completely socialized medicine in, in the United States. I, I think you're um, right. That's the Hegelian dialectic. I, I think you're right because because the other thing I've noticed about people who love control is they love it when people have to beg them for it. Right. And so I, I think I had a I have a probably my my best friend besides my wife um, surveyed for years together. Uh, just just a really good guy. His wife is a hospital administrator. And she had said that plan was nothing more than a way of collapsing the system so that people cried out for the single payer option. Because yeah. when you go ask somebody who's in power for something and they give it to you, you've made a social bargain with them. Yeah. So we got to look at this situation right now, right? Gas is at $7. Oh, so what is this crisis? Because we know this is intentional. I mean, oh my goodness. If, if, if Biden, at the very least, I mean, we're, we're sending our, we sent our bunch of reserves to Ukraine. We're sending, um, we, we've shut down our, our, our domestic fields where we canceled the pipeline. That's this, this is intentional. This is absolutely intentional. So they know that it's going to cause the, the prices of things to skyrocket. What, what problem is that going to create that they're going to then come in and be the savior of with the, some, with some solution? Right. It's the great reset. It's this 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 new it's this it's this modern take on communism. State capitalism, and, as the Chinese would call it. Yeah, right. Yep. So. And so we got the economic stuff and I actually I had a, I have a friend out in South Dakota who was watching during uh, during all that COVID stuff going on. And, you know, with the price of two by fours, it was like doubling and doubling and doubling and just kept going up and up and up. And South Dakota is where we, the U.S. gets a lot of its its lumber from. And there's mills there. There's you know trees, lots of trees, lots of mills. These huge cities that are you know giant mills. Um, and he was saying that when he was out there, um, they were shut down. The mills weren't even running. Yeah. I mean, like you, the price of two by fours are skyrocketing. You think they'd make a fortune if they were to start selling two by fours, right? Um, but it turns out. Some gigantic companies had come in and purchased all of the small local mills a few years earlier. And for some reason, the mills were on some stand down order and they were not running. They were not producing lumber and prices. It's, so it's, the point is, it's an intentional. It's, it's a deliberate collapse. It's a deliberate collapsing.
And yeah. so we got to be looking at that from a perspective of, you know, how are they going to benefit from it? Why would they do that? There's got to be some angle, some benefit. And I think it comes down to this diabolic power and control. Um, they've got a new system in place and they're going to make us hurt so bad that we're going to, they're going to make us hurt so bad. We're going to be happy to own nothing, but at least be alive. Right. No, I agree with you. And, and I find it interesting that if you go back into Genesis and you start looking at how Pharaoh became Pharaoh, right? After Joseph died and it talks about how there was famine in the land. And so people first started bringing their money to buy wheat. And then when they ran out of money, they started bringing their cattle to trade with Pharaoh essentially for wheat. And then eventually they, they gave up their land to Pharaoh for wheat. Nothing's changed. It's all the same stuff. Maybe it's packaged now for modern consumption. But at the end, what are we willing to trade so you can feed your kids? Yeah. If you don't have anything, what are you willing to do? And that's a spooky thought. But but I think we're we're there at the moment. Absolutely. Well, and another thing we've got going on here is this unprecedented level of internet censorship. I mean, uh, that also has just taken on a new degree of unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. I mean, the government's pr proposing this Ministry of Truth, just like it's just straight out of Orwell. Yeah, yeah. They're like then, I said, they're not hiding it anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's just so. It's just so in our faces. And so, I mean, so this is all a lot of dark stuff. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's important that we're aware because we talk, I talked earlier a little bit about the natural law of things, right? Um, we're going to be responsible for our decisions. And, you know, we've all made bad decisions in the past. That's part of how we grow. But we're coming, I think we're coming to a point where we're going to have to start making some really hard decisions. And these decisions are going to be more than just, you know, part of our growing process. These are going to be existential decisions, whether we recognize it or not. And making the wrong decision on these things, I think, could be absolutely, absolutely disastrous. And um, we might, well, I, see, I don't think the vaccines is one of these issues, but it's, it's a similar one. You know, a lot of people were put under an immense pressure to take these vaccines. And some people were willing to give up their careers and their jobs in order to maintain their, their sovereignty over that. And some people caved in. And I, again, the people who caved in are not bad people. They're victims of this horrible, horrible system. But nonetheless, there has been consequences. I know there's, there's a lot of people that thought, you know, well, President Nelson and the, the LDS Church said we should get the vaccine. And I'm generally been an anti-vaxxer but the president the prophet the prophet has said said this is okay well it's okay i'll be preserved i can make this decision and you know god will protect me even though i think that this is a bad thing and i i disagree with it and people have made those decisions and they have they're paying the natural consequences unfortunately i mean i imagine some of them have been miraculously spared but all too many have not been miraculously spared you know i i looked at the whole vaccine thing as 
that's something that everybody should pray about and come to their own conclusion. Because this idea that there's a one-size-fits-all for this is insanity, right? Um, and if you're just going to take the word of somebody because you hold them in esteem, well, you're relying on the arm of flesh. You know, I guess in a perfect world, um, I think I think there would have been, you know, a leader who would have came out and said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to admonish you to do. Take it before the Lord and have yeah. and, and get your own answer at the least, at the least. Right. I mean, even better would be an inspired prophet who could tell us in the name of the Lord whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> right. But, exactly. But absent, absent that, at the very least, yeah, an admonition, an admonition to to, you know, figure it out for yourself. Um, but at this point, the data that is coming in on the on these vaccines, the trial data, it's it's no. I, I understand. I I understand taking a, a more of a of a neutral, you know, get your own inspiration approach. And I still think that might be valid in the case of like if it was your job at stake type of a situation. If you did it to keep your job, then you know what? I sure hope that the Lord has mercy on you because the stuff we're seeing from the cl clinical trials now coming out is that this vaccine is was poison from the beginning. It was at best a therapeutic, at best, right? In the sense that that there may have been, there may be, and, and even this data is shaky now. Well, right? they just came out with that. And actually, technically, compared to the control group, the, the efficacy of, of, of preventing serious health related to COVID and all that in the trial uh, turned out to be statistically insignificantly worse than the control group. So it's actually not even mildly therapy. It wasn't even mildly right. therapy is what the actual data is showing if you, when looked at by you know people who aren't paid to to you know to say that it, the data you know they were basically told they get to police themselves you know collect all the data police yourselves you tell us whether it works or not and we'll rubber stamp it is what the cdc said and so pfizer did and they ran their studies and they and they sent the data in and they said yeah the data says it's safe and that it's effective and so the cdc said all right it's safe and effective and now that people are looking at the raw data, we're seeing, okay, it's not safe at all. And it wasn't even effective. So I've, I feel like I need, I need to say this, right? Because one of the things I said early on in this podcast is I was always going to be honest with the audience. Early on, I, you know, my wife had, had medical conditions that concerned us. We, we mm -hmm. took the vaccine. We did. Um, looking back, I, I don't think I would have, I would, you know, if I could have done the Geico commercial where I ran back in time and beat myself up for doing it, I would have, because we all ended up catching it anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody did. Yeah. Everybody got it. Right. And, and yeah, we, we were very fortunate in the sense that we've had no, no health problems or issues or whatever the case is. And so I'll never fault someone for taking it, but, Absolutely. but knowing what we know now, right. We can obviously see that it's not what it was promised to be. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, and I was really, I was really con- a lot more concerned about COVID when it first came out too. I mean, when it was still in China, I, I heard about it while it was still in China. Um, while, you know, before, right. even before Nancy Pelosi was, was hanging around, you know, Chinatown in San Francisco saying, Hey, stop being racist. This isn't anything to be worried about if right. you that far back. At that time, I was looking at China, and I'm looking at the data there of what little data was coming out of there saying – I was saying this could be a big deal. And I was pretty concerned and very, very careful in the early stages of the pandemic because we didn't know what we were dealing with. Right. Yeah, no. And, and afterwards, you know, I, okay, okay. Now now that I know, it's like, all right, I was probably, you know, overly vigilant in that regards. And I got suckered into some narratives, you know, that kind of thing happens. I absolutely. think it was, I think that time was easy for us to get sucked in because even guys like you and I, who naturally are a little more, you know, um, cynical about what, sure. what what the powers may do there was so much unknown there right so when when they first proposed the two-week lockdown and then it turned into a month i'm like probably a good thing let's just all work from home and in some ways I, I thought maybe this is a blessing maybe this is the lord telling everybody you better get real right you better understand because during that time the first part of covid i was still in the lds church i had a leadership position right oh, i wow. held I held my fundamentalist views, but I I still had, you know, I still kept them on the down low. And the thing I was surprised by is that when you locked everybody in the house together, you found out real quick, just what kind of condition your family was really in. Right. And just, I I had the exact same thoughts that, you know, maybe this is a good thing. It's forcing families to come together and they can work their stuff out. Maybe they can come back with stronger relationships. I was looking for the positives. Right. And there were some. Yeah. There really were some. Yeah. But once we passed about that one month mark, right, and you really saw the data coming in, right? And then the report started coming out that all those people who were dying with COVID had 2.5 morbidity factors on top of COVID. Well, then on top of that, they start saying you got to wear masks everywhere. Yeah. Then, then, Then all of a sudden you're like, okay, no, something else is up. Yeah. And so- we uh yeah like i said i just wanted to be honest there and say you know what i i probably would no let me rephrase that i definitely wouldn't take the vaccine again or if i had it to do over again i wouldn't yeah we but these are still situations where we've got time these are decisions that we've got time but i i strongly believe that the time is coming where we're gonna have to make decisions that are going to be literally life and death decisions. I agree with you. My wife and I have those conversations daily now, right? Where I feel like we've boarded the train to crazy town and we're, we're almost there. And I think if people are honest with themselves, I think everybody feels it, right? They may not know it, right? But everybody feels it, right? Everybody feels the event is on the horizon. Oh, I mean, look at all this socially with the stuff with sexuality, the economically we've got um, the drug abuse and the escapism. I mean, this the lack of religion, this spiritual warfare, this is unsustainable. And, I, you know, for a long time, I wanted to believe we could turn things around, that the country could actually start getting better again. And I was a sincere ad- advocate for a while. Um, eventually, I became a cynical advocate where I decided that, you know what, I don't know that this can be turned around. 
but I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for the good stuff anyway. I'm going to try to hang on. But then there came a, and recently there's just been this absolute realization that we are just, we are, we are on a train that cannot be stopped or slowed down. And it's just going to be a matter of surviving ourselves. And if we can be of service to the Lord right, in helping other people prepare spiritually or temporally for the impact. I want to go there, but I don't want to go there quite yet because I, I feel like we've done a good job of, of talking about where we are at, right? We, I think we've yeah. painted a real good picture of where a, a nation that's full of rot of the soul it's unsustainable, though, right? This is the fall of Rome type of – this is civilization cataclysmic um, level of unsustainable. And just not America, but the Western way of life, right? The, well, that's the, the other thing too, right? Yeah, this time it's a global issue. It's not just Rome. There, right. uh, we live in a global world with a global economy and global – all the global, global, global. But that means this rot, this cultural rot is global. Yep. This economic trash is global. This deliberate destruction of individual sovereignty and ownership is global. All of this stuff is going to affect everybody. The fall of not just Western civilization, but I think civilization as a whole is what we're like looking at here. Right. So let me ask you this. How did we get here? I think we got here. Really, we, we missed the signs. We... And I'm 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 mostly bl- I guess to a certain degree blaming myself here. <laughs> sure, sure. No, um, I get it. I'm, I'm not I'm right coming there. from a because I'm, I'm I didn't come from a fundamentalist family, so I don't have that background. And I was raised that we need to fight this stuff. That there's this there's spiritual warfare going on, and and I look back and I just think, man, how many times could I have been more bold? How many times could I have stood up for the truth and the right more clearly? If I had understood the consequences then, what would I do differently? And it's amazing to think of the, the opportunities that were tragically missed because I wasn't taking it seriously. To me, it was it's a political battle. It's not a spiritual battle. It's it's some this is something that you know it's it's issues and i got caught up on the issues and i think what we are absolutely undeniably facing here is a it's a it's a conspiracy this is a this is the culmination of a secret combination that has been at play like you like you mentioned for for 100 years possibly probably even more and it is coming to a head now but the only real solution to this ever was Christ. Mm-hmm. That was always the solution. It was the only saving, the only savior that, that we've got. And even in my own life, pursuing my own calling and filling my own role in this, I I didn't treat it this right. I didn't fight this the right way. I didn't recognize the battle for what it was. And I think that's ultimately as a whole, what happened with this country is we thought it was a, an issue. We thought it was a this. We were tricked, and we didn't realize that the solution wasn't this law. The solution wasn't that law. The solution has always, always, always been Christ. Yeah. And we found substitutes. We found other, more, less 
less in your, we were afraid of offending people maybe, at least from on my end, you know, I, I didn't want to come across too much as like some radical Christian. And so I might have these religious values, but I'm going to make these arguments from a political perspective. I'm going to argue this from an economic perspective. I'm going to make a stand here and push for the good things. And we're going to use education and information and we're going to wake people up and, and now looking now now here as we as we approach this terminal point looking back it's like this has always been a spiritual war and i did not have my spiritual armor and sword equipped and i think that's how we got here is the, as the whole the church the country yeah we didn't I, understand <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> i think i think it was the normalcy bias have you heard of that yeah, sure, but go ahead. So there's something that happens within our psychology, right? Something that's wired in us. It's a survival mechanism. And when, when crap get, hits the fan or crap gets real, we have a tendency to try to revert to something that's normal. I read an interesting book on 9-11, and it talked about people who midway going down the stairs turned around and said i gotta go shut my computer off mm -hmm. when they were coming out of the towers and the psychologist was like what what is that right like do you not understand that a plane just hit this building a big plane what's what's going on and it's the normalcy bias it's it's one of those things where um, you do something or you go someplace where you feel comforted, right? Animals do it a lot. They, they found that certain wounded animals have a place that they're familiar with that they go back to. People do it. And so I think as we pass these various mile markers along this path to, to apocalypse, so to speak, or collapse, yeah. as we passed them, we reverted to that, right? We, we said, this can't be planned, right? No one really wants to see the United States fall, right? Nobody wants to do away with the Western way of life. Nobody wants that. And, and we went to that place of comfort rather than stare the beast in the face and say, well, the if this was a court, the preponderance of evidence shows that, no, this is, this is coordinated. I know I was certainly guilty of that, right? Um, and the other thing was, is that I think those in power with nefarious purposes have been very good at keeping us fighting amongst ourselves. We, they have kept us at each other's throats. And in the process, they've been able to work behind the scenes to get done what it is they've wanted to get done. They, they very much used our lack of unity in their favor because you had two camps that you were going to choose from, right? Your, your camp R or your camp it's always B. Been, it's always been two camps. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, and, and go back to what Washington said in his farewell address, stay out of foreign entanglements and don't get involved with parties. Right. That was, that was the message and we managed a third party system <laughs> right and 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 we managed to do that um but yeah and and keeping us at each other's throats 
they've been able to keep us fighting amongst ourselves while they did what they had to do to institute this new program. Well, it goes back to the, what I was talking about with like the everybody likes to think they're the good guy. I mean, ultimately, even in his own mind, I have no doubt that Hitler probably thought he was the hero of the story. Everybody mm-hmm. has this innate desire for good. But we also have this natural tendency to find somebody's a little different from us. They're somebody else. They're the enemy. They're, they're our, the other. They're the opposition. They're the other. And yeah, that, that separation um, is exactly right. And that's where we need to look at this differently now. We can't look at, oh, you're a liberal. I, you're my enemy. You are pro-vax. You are pro-mass. You are pro these things that I'm against. Um, we've got to say, where is the common ground here? Can I see Christ in that person? Can I see elements of Christ to build upon and to focus upon? And can we find things that we can come to unity with? And that's right. the crazy thing. There is there is a shift. I think there is a shift happening um, where we're starting to see unlikely people taking very different stances. Because in the past, it was always political. But we're moving beyond this the, the politics into the realm of reality. I guess that's one of the crazy things with this whole transgender movement is, is all, at its conclusion, transgenderism is the denial, absolute denial of reality. It's the yeah. ultimate denial of reality. If 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 a man can be a woman, if woman is man, if there's no if these things don't mean anything anymore, then nothing means anything anymore. That's not a TV. That's a that's an elephant. That's not a tiger. That's a that's a car. Why not? Right? There's right. The complete. The, any semblance of objective reality just falls to pieces. And so what we're now seeing, instead of left versus right, we're starting to see people who believe in reality versus people who, who don't believe in reality. But even here, the people who don't believe in reality aren't our real enemy. They're our brothers and our sisters. And if we see them as enemies, we're just playing right into the, the true enemy's hands. And... and... This is where I'm probably going to lose some folks as far as being able to be with me here on this. I think this story is as old as time, right? I think this goes back to Master Mayhem himself, right? Nothing new under the sun. <laughs> yeah, I think I think these are the same covenants that that Cain made. I think these are the same covenants that the Gadiant and robbers made when when they covenanted with each other and with with the adversary because they're after the same thing wealth power and domination and those up top who have have those ambitions have kept us have have been able to pacify us enough to where we have allowed it if you look at the ultimate outcome of all of those, though, with with Cain, you know the, the the whole pre-Diluvian world was destroyed. Right. The Jaredites dabbled in those secret combinations. Their civilization was destroyed. The Nephites dabbled in it. That's that was given as the cause for the destruction of the Nephite civilization. In yep. The Tower of and, Babel. Yeah, Tower of Babel, and now here we are, coming to seeing these the fruits of of these secret combinations coming to a head. And I mean, really, what do we expect? If we're, especially if we're not willing to look at it and, and identify and you know see see the spade for a spade. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what do we do now? We, we've identified where we're at. We know how we got here. We know with without naming names. How, how, how do we get out? Yeah. You know, I think th- this is pretty radical, but the, the, you know, ultimately we're, we're, we're all here. Every, the, where we're at now, history is coming to a head, but we are just people. And there were people before us and people before them and people before them. And we're, we're here to be tried and tested to see whether we're going to do all things whatsoever the Lord God shall command us. And as we do those things, we, we attain forgiveness and salvation and redemption. And that's really what it's, what it's all about. But we've got another thing at play here. Um, but, as, but as far as the real purpose of life goes, ultimately, you know, we're here to, to serve God. It's, it's as simple as that. And there's nothing unique about that aspect that that part hasn't changed what i do think has changed though is we're i I believe that we're here for a special reason anybody probably listening to this has probably felt immense calling in their life Mm -hmm. i know that i have it's what brought me into the church from a from a jack mormon family family and it's what took me out of the church being a, a faithful devoted completely loyal you know adherent and if you're feeling that, if you're feeling that there's something in your life, that there's some purpose, there's some calling, then I'd say that there, there, there is. And it's not that we're going to get out of this because I don't believe we are. No. We're not getting out of this. The Death is the only way out. <laughs> and as terrible as that is from the secular world, though, ultimately, that's the thing. That's the shooting. I, my heart breaks for those families that are left behind. But for the children that perished, you know, we know that they were they were welcome to the arms of Christ. Right. They're not in a bad place anymore. It's the families that were left behind, and it's the and it's the poor boy that that did that shooting. That is the one in the dark place, and the one who's probably suffering the absolute most right now. And so that's who my heart goes out to more than more than necessarily the the the, the poor children that were that were taken. So in that sense, we have, if we, if we have lived a good life, if we have, if we are prepared to meet Jesus as the billboards, <laughs> as the billboards ask, um, then you know what? It's okay. You know, things might get bad, terrible things might happen, you know, and our lives might be extinguished. That's not the, that's not the end though. So that's not, that's not the absolute terrible thing that a secular atheist world thinks it is it's not the the ending of our life it's just a transition um but for those who feel but if you feel a calling and you think that there's something that i believe that there's a a, a refining process we're about to go through because again with this the 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 pre or the the post-millennial um eschatology here is that we need to be ready to build zion Mm-hmm. And if I'm being honest with myself, as much as I'd like to say, hey, I'm ready, I am not ready. I am not ready. I still make foolish decisions. I still got, I've got a lot of stuff I still got to work through. And seeing these calamities, like a giant tidal wave out in the ocean coming, knowing they're coming, I see it as an opportunity 
it's a refining opportunity and it's going to suck and it's going to be unpleasant. But if we survive, then we're going to be given an opportunity to, to repent in a way like no other. We're going to have our priorities fixed like no other. And we're going to be given an opportunity to be worthy of Christ and his presence. And that's what happened to the Nephite civilization, right? When the Nephite civilization collapsed, those who were the most righteous were the ones in the darkness and in the ruins mourning. Mm -hmm. They endured that process. They survived. They were the, but they still, they were not spared. No, so that's, that's the thing. They were not spared. They endured, but through that process, they were then prepared for Christ to come and visit and minister to them personally. And I think that nothing short of us being able to receive that power and to receive that kind of a blessing is going to leave any, 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 I mean, this could be, I mean, the, the, the sci-fi people, right. And the atheists, they talk about like, you know, that humans, we might wipe ourselves out off of the, you know, we could exterminate ourselves. And, you know, I think they, that, that there is a possibility with the kind of stuff that's going on right now and where the, where the world is heading, there's, if there wasn't a God, I think there's a real possibility that we could literally completely annihilate ourselves. Yeah. And there'd be no humans left on earth, um, the way things are heading. But I think there's a process. We, I don't think we can turn this around and no, I don't even I don't. think it's about, I don't even think it's necessarily about enduring at this point as much as it is preparing preparing to to be ready to serve because that's what it is if you look at again like you look at the disciples um it was john the beloved who told christ well we assume right because we have the three nephites that that of three nephite apostles who chose to, to stay to stay and minister um and we have john the beloved who chose to stay and minister the rest of them were like hey when our job's done we want to just go up and, and be done <laughs> right you know, we're, we want we want to go receive our reward some of these early apostles, four of them, three of the Nephites and John, decided, hey, you know what? Even when we're done, I'd still like to stay and serve. I would like to be left behind and go through that, this process, so that I can be there to serve and help and guide. And that's, I think, what the calling that a lot of us feel, what that calling really is. It's a calling to be a laborer in the vineyard. I... And, I Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I've been talking for a while. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think, I think we're all going to go through this, right? There's yeah. no one who's coming out of this without some scars. The question is, are those of us who hold these fundamentalist views or orthodox views of Mormonism now going to step up and become the white bearers because fear and hunger is a volatile mixture worse than any Molokov cocktail we could ever produce. Yeah. And it, I think we now have to be the people to stand up and show a different way and i'm not sure there's a people that's maybe better prepared for it than we are and i'm not saying we're greatly prepared but i'm i'm saying you know we we might be the 
Okay, this this strikes close to home given my body stature. We might be the skinniest kid at fat camp, right? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So so we well, we might I, I, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. But there's a little caveat to that, too, though. I think it's going to hit us the hardest as well. It will. If we are not prepared. Because, again, salt that has lost its savor is what trodden underfoot. Right. So if we're not going to live up to that extra light and knowledge that we have been called, that we have received, that we are supposed to be able to administer, then it's going to be even worse for us than it's going to be the unbelieving Gentile. Some of which Absolutely. there might be good people who the Lord will miraculously preserve. I don't think he's going to miraculously preserve us if we don't live up to our priesthood and to our into the into the gospel that we have been given. We, we've taken on a responsibility. And, and I, I feel like now more than ever before is the time that we need to walk up to those responsibilities. Um, and and. I I don't know how else to explain this other than we'll know who it is we're supposed to talk to in that time, right? We'll know who it is that is not beyond being touched by the Spirit. But we have to live in yeah. such a way now that and, – and it scares me because you're talking to a guy who – and, and this is the craziest part about me doing this podcast. I'm a very private person, right? I, I'm not someone that just likes to go, go out and, and put myself out there. And so it scares me because I might be the worst guy to in this position because just going up and telling someone you don't got to go down that path, there's a different way. But we got to be bolder than I think we've ever been before. I agree. We need to be bolder, and I think that there's going to be a, a – we're going to face trials. We're going to face a – specifically, I think we're going to face a, a an Abrahamic test. I don't know that this is necessary for for all generations, but for the kind of people that are going to, to actually establish Zion, they need to be a people that have been tried and tested. And I think that we're going to face a situation where – similar to maybe like like a vaccine type situation where we're going to be asked to comply and with something that we we're going to know is wrong. We're going to know it's wrong and it's going to look like there is no choice but to go along with that or be destroyed. That right. there's no way we're going to be able to take care of our family otherwise or that there's going to be no there's going to look like there's no other way out and we're going to be faced with this terrible terrible challenge and but that's where we're going to have to be prepared and ready to stand for God and truth above all else, above all else. And we have to be willing to sacrifice everything else, including, well, I just, shoot, where's it? Lectures on faith. Um, uh, I think it's the, what lecture is it? I think it's the sixth lecture where, um, where it's like in order for, it's the, it's the lecture where it talks about like a religion, a religion that doesn't ask, um, the that doesn't sacrifice all things doesn't have the power to wouldn't have the power to save um right but in there it's he it, it talks about that you know you got to be willing to lose all of this your your good name your reputation your 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 wealth your stature your all of these wonderful things that we have in our lives and even including up to our families and our own lives and what it just comes to me and i think it's tragic that 
we don't look at this as much as, as Mormons, but the cross is a, a very powerful symbol. And there's an admonition littered throughout the scriptures that we need to take up our crosses and follow him. Him being Christ. And what what was the what was that cross to Christ? It was everything. It was this it was his his it was him submitting completely, fully, absolutely to the will of God in every little minute detail. Um so what is what is he asking of us when he asks us to take up our crosses and follow him is a question we need to really ponder and really be prepared to answer in the coming in the coming days. Yeah, no, I I agree. Where I find my hope at with this is that if there's one thing I've noticed throughout Scripture, it seems to be that Heavenly Father loves a dramatic ending, right? He <laughs> he 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 seems yes. to be prone to that you talked earlier about when we were talking about how did we get here and you were like you know i i i, sh I should have been bolder and those sorts of things yeah i'm not i'm not sure that's true justin because i think i think had we fired our musket too soon so to speak if we'd have fired our ammo too soon we wouldn't be able to help now I agree with you on that. It's, I guess it's not necessarily boldness, though. I, I was thinking more of just focused. I was looking at it. I was not looking at it from a perspective of this is a spiritual war. I was right. looking at it from uh, this is a political battle we're involved in here. This is a this is an issue of education principles. This is a philosophical debate. And it's not. It's, it's always been a spiritual battle. And, I, right. and that's something that I see now. And I think I would have approached problems and our country as a whole could have approached things very differently from the very beginning like going back to going back to marx if if we had read marx and instead of just saying marx is bad said marx is right we've got a problem let's repent and go back to christ though because what he's proposing isn't the solution but he's right we've got a problem with when betty Friedan wrote the the feminine mystique if we didn't read that and say oh she's wrong women shouldn't be go turn into those things that's fem this feminism stuff's bad if instead we said you know what you're right there is something wrong there is something that's not right in our homes let's go to christ and fight figure it out let's we're not going to do what she suggests because we know that that's not the right thing but we're gonna we're gonna go to christ and we're gonna find the real solutions but instead we got polarized like what you said and it became Oh, they're the enemy. The communists are our enemy. The feminists are our enemy. The whateverists are the enemy. The liberals are the enemy. The conservatives are the enemy. What? Just take your pick. But we didn't, as a whole, look at it from a perspective of Christ and how Christ is gonna. Christ can save us from this problem. Instead, we we came up with our own solutions, and our own solutions just played right into the devil's hands. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I don't think there's necessarily a way out, right? I, yeah. As, as you were saying, I think it's going to be a matter of of taking our lumps, so to speak, here a little bit and be refined on the other side of this. I think in order to weather that storm, though, we have to do some spiritual preparation ourselves. We have to get ourselves in a position. I told my son this who's not religious at all, my oldest son. 
um, he's spiritual in the sense he believes that, that God exists, but he just had a lot of bad experiences at church and it turned him off. He's, he's about 24 now, I think 25, somewhere in there. Um, but I told him, I said, look, you have to get so comfortable with the spirit that if everybody's going one direction, you have to be comfortable enough to know when he says go the other way that you're going to do it. I think we have to get to that level of spiritually prepared yeah. where, where we, we are willing to live by those messages that are sent to us. Because if we don't, if we're not anchored, then we get tossed in, to and fro, right? We're susceptible to whatever pressures are put on us. Well, what I, th I think a substitute that I know I'm guilty of a lot, like especially at the beginning of COVID, right? You know, when Nancy Pelosi was saying that this is no big deal in Chinatown, I'm thinking, okay, this must be a huge deal. Why else would my enemy be saying otherwise if she's going to take that stance i need to take the other stance and we're just seeing this kind of reactionism and that scares me because it shows that we're not being present we're not making decisions for ourselves we we are we're just reacting to stimuli in our environment i, I see a lot of this with the ukraine situation um whereas personally i mean i i don't see how this is justified i i i, I knew a guy in ukraine um who I don't know what happened to him. Don't know. But when the, when the, when Russia initially invaded, he sent photos and stuff, and it was and he, he was telling me about what was going on. It was terrible. Um, I don't believe that this invasion is justified. You don't. You know, there might have been problems in Ukraine, but for Russia to invade a neighboring country with a military to kill their sons and daughters serving in the military, and let alone potentially civilian. Even if it's not. Even if the, even if the Russians haven't killed a single civilian, they've at the very least killed. A lot of a lot of sons, yeah, who absolutely. are doing nothing but trying to defend their country. Yep, whether misguided or not. And so, you can't justify what's happened with Putin and in, in Ukraine. At the same time, I see that there's a lot of stuff going on here. There seems to be a lot of conspiratorial stuff going on, and there might have been. I don't know that Ukraine's government is necessarily the good guy, either in this story. But people seem to take this very strong reaction as if they only have two choices. I, I'm seeing people polarize. Some of the people are, we're, we're pro-Ukraine. We're going to put Ukraine flags everywhere. And Russia's so bad. Um, and that seems to have become the liberal narrative, right? And so in response, the conservative narrative has become, oh, Putin was totally justified. Um, there are these, uh, there's these terrible... Um, a nationalist Nazis in in that part of Ukraine, and they were doing terrible things to people in that part of Ukraine, and and you know, right, and Putin's the hero here, and he's fighting against the globalists and this world, he's the Great Reset and the, and the Klaus Schwabs, and and I think the truth is a lot more nuanced, and I don't think really either of these people are necessarily our friends. I, I think there's a, I think there's other options than pick your side. In, in in this in this battle, we've got to get to the point where we're mature enough to say, "I'm not okay with maybe either of these." I, I, I want a third path, but to get there, we need the spirit, like you were saying. We have to have that 
communication to know when, because that's the thing, you know, when all the liberals go that way, all the conservatives go the other way, then pick your side. Are you liberal or conservative? Well, you're still going with the crowd, though, in that scenario. You're not going off by yourself. You're not standing alone. Um, And I think, like, exactly like you were saying, the truth in these situations is going to lead to situations where we need to be prepared to not just react, but we need to make good decisions and be really present in our lives and aware of what's going on and exercise our agency and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm not okay with what Putin did. That's wrong. But also, I'm not going to go in with this this main, this other narrative that's um, that's pushing for this great reset either. I can choose that. I can say I don't like either of those. You're 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 a hundred percent correct. And not only do we have to be comfortable enough to do that, I think all of us better get real comfortable with the idea of being a leader in those moments. Right. Yeah. Where not only do we not go those directions, right. Whether you go with camp A or camp B, but also you're a leader in the sense of you're going to show it by your actions and then be able to articulate why, because let's face it. And, and, and again, this may be where, where folks who are trying to live the gospel in its fullest, might be better equipped to do this than a lot of other folks because it seems like we've been choosing the third way for quite a while, right? The, 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 the either or, right? We didn't leave Mormonism, but yet we didn't go with the church. Yeah. Right. Typically, you know, you see the two groups who either go towards John Dolan or they go with, the LDS church. They double down. Right. Profit. The, there's a third way, which is, well, yeah, the church kind of fibbed to me. And does that mean that the whole gospel is, is false? No. Right. We've lived in that space. And, and yeah. I think, I think as fundamentalists, we're uniquely equipped to be that third option where we can just Maybe grab those who are awake and sensitive enough who maybe need a little bit of helping hand till they get their feet under them to say, don't, don't go over that cliff. Don't, don't go there. There's a different way. And I, and I think we have to live by the spirit enough to know what it is we're supposed to do and then be comfortable with being sweetly bold. And at the same time, that leader that, that can take people with us in some ways, Justin, and and I know this sounds nuts. I'm almost looking forward to see who seeing what God has in store because for so long, I I have looked for that person who was going to be the great leader, you know, that was going to, to show, show us the way out. Yeah. I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, I think there's, hundreds maybe thousands of them out there right and 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 i think we're going to start seeing them step to the forefront yeah i i i completely agree that's exactly what the understanding that i've that i've received as well as i've as i sought for that leader who's the who's going to be the prophet that's going to show me how to navigate this 
I finally realized it's what I, I believe this culmination of the restoration, the restoration is not over. It is not finished. It was not completed. And it falls upon us, I believe, to complete it. And Joseph Smith had a vision of, of a nation of prophets. It wasn't, it wasn't a single man who's going to tell everybody what to do, but that, that every family that every man, every woman had access and connection to to God and could receive inspiration and, and visions and and be prepared to be leaders in and that is what I think uh, we have prophesied of as the uh, the hundred and forty four thousand from the book of Revelation testifies to the the servants that are called up to labor in the vineyard the last time in uh, in Jacob. Um, it's just it's all over. That's the um, the uh, be how beautiful are the are, are the feet of those. Um, actually, I, I slipped in my mind. I'm not the not have these memorized as well, but you know the scripture. Um, right. Of those who publish peace, and um, this is this is not just a God's going to send us a savior this time. He's asking us to step up. He's asking yep. us to participate. And yeah, it's I and you know. As far as the hope goes, I, I'm not as dark as things are. I do still feel a lot of peace, and that peace comes from faith, um, and a, and a correct understanding of that it's okay. You know, if 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 my family makes it, it's okay. If my family doesn't make it temporally, that's okay. Yeah. Because ultimately, this life is just a it's a blink. It's a blink of the eye. It's a flash, and you know, all we it can be okay that if even if we don't make it, and we can. The main thing is we can have that comforter with us, um, even if we're in agony and pain. We can still have the peace and of of the comfort of the comforter to preserve us and prevent our hearts from failing us. And I think that's actually another area where we are going to be uniquely equipped is the gift of the Holy Ghost as a comforter in the times ahead. I mean, there's the scriptures talk about at times when men's hearts fail them. And the Book of Mormon talks about these people that would curse God and and wish to die, wish to die. Um, there can be horrors upon this earth that I believe the gift of the Holy Ghost can can shield us from. It can give us peace and comfort when all around us is horror and destruction and decay and i think we're absolutely going to need that to endure as well but because of that we can endure with with peace and confidence and hope um all is well not because all is well but because we are good with god and we have we have submitted our will to him and we we followed his plan and whatever role we have to play in it, we're okay with that. You know, and, and I think it's that attitude that if we possess and that knowledge, if that faith that we can turn into knowledge, right, that we can get to that point where we know that. Yeah. That I think really, um, really must scare the adversary to a certain extent, because then you can go at it with somewhat of a reckless abandon. Right. Yeah. Conse consequences be damned. If, if, if this is the path I'm supposed to be on, if this is what the Lord wants me to do, I can go forward with full faith 
knowledge, knowing that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's powerful. Oh, yeah. Imagine a society of people living like that. Exactly. And the devil would have no power over them. Neither would the world. And I believe that's the Zion that, that eventually will be established. I, I agree with you 100%. So if, if we need to get to that point, we need to get our children to that point so that when all this breaks, and it's about to break, like you and I were talking, the birth pangs are there. We are now moments from the event, so to speak. There's um, no reprise. It's contraction after contraction. It's right. all one contraction. <laughs> right. But that's the hope, right? And and I guess that's where I think we really need to be at as, as we wrap up here is that we've talked about some dark stuff, right? We've seen some dark stuff just this week. We know the problems are out there, but we don't have to be overcome by them. And you said something that I was going to talk about at some point here, and I'm glad you brought it up. And again, it's not because this podcast is special or, or anything like that, because I'm nobody's leader. I'm nobody's priest. I'm nobody's prophet. I'm none of that. But oh, yeah. if, you're, if, you're listen, if, if, if you're listening to this, it's for a reason, right? Of all the podcasts you could be listening to, you're here. Why is that? Probably because you feel something. Nothing special about us. <laughs> no, no, no. No special expertise in this. No special positions of authority or power. We're just two guys. Yeah, I, I've, I've said I'm a clown with a microphone. I mean, literally, that's what you're getting. I've made no illusions that you're getting anything other than a clown with a microphone. But the stuff we talked about here tonight, if, if you're listening to this, driving home in your car, at the gym, you know, at work, you're listening for a reason. Find out what your purpose is and then attack it with a ferocity because it's going to be needed. I, if we just all stand where we're supposed to stand and then raise our hands when we're supposed to we'll be right where we're supposed to be. No, I agree. I love it. I I think we all have a role to fill. And and you know what? If you're not prepared, that's okay. There's still time to prepare, but it's eventually it's not going to be okay. So and this is for myself more than maybe anybody else, but let's let's get our lives in order and let's get prepared. Let's let's be the people that we need to be to to be um, to be kings and priests and uh, queens and, and priestesses. We need to be prepared to, to labor and serve, to gather Israel, to perform miracles. And, you know, if we're not there yet, that's okay, but let's work on it. Let's get there. And let's realize, too, that we can, we can do this together. There are no... Um, in, the, in, the, in the gospel, in, in Christ's church, there's no... There's no requirements, I'd say. There's no requirements other than a willingness to serve. And if you're willing to serve, if you're willing to, to, to do what, what God would have you do, then you can, you can become something. You can, you can perform miracles. You can become a prophet. You can, there's no 
we are children of God. We are we are we have the divine potential within us, and we have generations after generation has fall have fallen short of that. But this is it. This is it's a it's a culmination happening here. And sorry. And uh, so this is this is it. this is our opportunity to take the wisdom and the 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 preparations that came before us from our ancestors from um from other inspired people and families and the people who have positively influenced us in our lives and to take all of this and bring it to a head and truly live up to our divine potential i think this is a glorious time this is a time that all the prophets looked forward to and I think that it's because with with that darkness, there's going to be an equal and just as glorious amount of light at the end of that. And to be a part of this is 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 humbling, to be honest. It is humbling. And I don't I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I'm anybody special to be there. And if you're feeling that way, too, then that, that's OK. I think that's OK. You still can you still have a role to serve. Don't don't doubt your divine potential. Absolutely. Yeah. Justin, that's, that's beautiful. I think, uh, I think on that, we can wrap this episode up. Is there anything else you wanted to, uh, to end with? I think that's a, I think that's a good place to end. I do too. All right, everybody. I appreciate you listening. Uh, this, this has taken on a life of its own more than I ever dreamed it would. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate everyone who listens. Um, got a YouTube channel. Go check that out now. Uh, it's just Mormon Renegade Podcast. That's the name of the, the YouTube channel. Check that out. Um, we'll talk to everyone next time. Bye. <laughs>